0: Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 1 Nephi 5 today. The boys have gotten the plates and have arrived back at the camp spot with their father Lehi and their mother Sariah. This chapter gives us a huge amount of information about their family life and some examples of what we should and should not do. A guy I used to listen to, Jack Marshall, says that chapter 5 is an anatomy of an argument. One of the things someone mentioned in the CES symposium was that I, that I went to was that we learn from this chapter that children are always watching us and the behaviors of those and the family. They see the effect that it has on the rest of the family, and they watch what we believe and what we say and how we say it, and it has an effect on them and the way they think and act. Looking back to when I was raising children, I guess I wish I would have paid better attention to myself and my words and my actions. Okay, let's go on and look at this chapter. Let's start at first Nephi five, 5 1. And it came to pass that after we had come down into the wilderness unto our father, behold he was filled with joy, and also my mother Sariah was exceedingly glad, for she truly had mourned because of us, for she had supposed that we had perished in the wilderness. And she also had complained against my father, telling him that he was a visionary man, saying, Behold, thou hast led us forth from the land of our inheritance, and my sons are no more, and we perish in the wilderness. And after this manner of language, had my mother complained against my father. Well, remember that this was a long journey back to Jerusalem, about a 200-mile trip one way, 12 to 14 days. It would have been an arduous trip. A famous archaeologist, Nelson Gluck, said he made the trip from Jerusalem to Aqaba and averaged about 13 miles a day on a camel. The problem with camels is the journey from Jerusalem to Aqaba is rocky and camels have soft padded feet, and the rocks would cause their feet harm, which is why they do better in the desert sands and not so much on the rocky area. But whether or not the boys would have taken a camel or a loaded donkey for their trip is unknown. They would have had to take supplies for a 12 to 14 trip, so they would have had to have had a loaded camel or a donkey. Either way, it would likely be about 13 miles a day. Sariah thought they had died in the wilderness. They had been gone about a month, and she felt they had been sent on an errand that resulted in their death. And so she complained. And what did she call Lehi? The same thing as the older boys. A visionary man. Going back to what the person at the symposium said about children always watching us, we can see that Nephi points out that his mother complains about his father. Now, here is where we see that Lehi diffuses the argument and comforts Sarai instead of responding with an argument of his own. Nephi also points out how his father comforts his mother. Again, children watching how our family responds and reacts to our behavior. Okay, this is back to verse 4. And it had come to pass that my father spake unto her, saying, I know that I am a visionary man. For if I had not seen the things of God in a vision, I would not have known the goodness of God, but had tarried in Jerusalem and had perished with my brethren. But behold, I have obtained a land of promise, in the which things I do rejoice. Yea, I know that the Lord will deliver my sons out of the hands of Laban, and bring them down again unto us in the wilderness. And after this manner of language did my father Lehi comfort my mother Soriah concerning us, while we journeyed in the wilderness up to the land of Jerusalem to obtain the record of the Jews. And when we had returned to the tent of my father, behold, their joy was full, and my mother was comforted. So Lehi's strong testimony that the Lord would deliver the boys helped to comfort Sarai in her fears and her sadness. Imagine being Sarai, and having left your comfortable home and all of your possessions, and now your boys are gone and may be dead. Lehi could have responded with an accusation as well. Maybe he too was a bit worried about them, but he does tell her that he knows that the Lord will watch over them, which is exactly what helps her put her fears away. He gave her assurance that he knew that the Lord would take care of them. Sometimes in our complaining, we just need comfort. Not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it together, but just comfort. I know you're worried, so am I, but the Lord has told me he would watch out for them and I know he will. I read a quote from a Hank Smith that said, When your child or spouse is emotional, like sad, frustrated, embarrassed, jealous, stressed, angry, etc., it's not a time to teach, it's a time to listen. And I think that is exactly what Lehi did for Soraya. He listened to her worries and her complaints and comforted her. Okay, let's go on to verse 8, and she spake, saying, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness, yea, and I also know of a surety that the Lord hath protected my sons, and delivered them out of the hands of Laban, and given them power, whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them. And after this manner of language did she speak, and it came to pass that they did rejoice exceedingly, and did offer sacrifice, and burnt offerings unto the Lord, and they gave thanks unto the God of Israel. So one of the interesting things about the Lehi family and the length of time they spent in the wilderness is how long it took them, about eight years. We talked a little about that and why it would take eight years. The next part is part of why many believe it took a while. When the boys returned, Lehi stopped to give thanks to the Lord for the records that were brought to him. There was one other time that he gave thanks to the Lord. Do you remember when? When? was back in 1 Nephi 2 when they arrived in the valley where they were going to pitch their tents. Lehi built an altar and made an offering to the Lord to give thanks. And now he thanks the Lord for the safe return of his sons and for the breastplates. Okay, let's go on to verse 10. And after they had given thanks unto the God of Israel, my father Lehi took the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, and he did search them from the beginning. Well, this is another reason that they probably spent some time where they were. took some time, I assume, for Lehi to search the plates from the beginning to the end. These scriptures were of great worth to Lehi's family. The boys sacrificed a lot for these plates of brass, risked their lives, traveled a long distance, and even left behind their riches in order to have them. So how important are the scriptures to you? You might want to think about that. We talked about the things that Lehi learned from these plates. What are some of those things? Well, they contained the first five books of Moses. This would be Genesis through Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. This would be comparable to our Old Testament, but it contained more than our Old Testament does. King Mosiah said about these brass plates that if it weren't for those plates, they would have suffered in ignorance, not knowing the mysteries of God. So these five books are important to the Jewish religion as well because they give the foundation for the law and and they outline the covenants that were given to the Jewish people by God. The first five books make up what is known as the Torah today. When Moses got ready to leave the people, he gave a farewell and then he wrote 13 complete copies of the Torah and gave one to each tribe to carry with them as their copy of the scriptures and then he placed one in the Ark of the Covenant. This is also called the the first five books are also called the Pentateuch, which is the Hebrew and Greek word for five. The Jewish people read the entire text of the Torah at least once a year, but it's also studied in their homes and in the synagogue. Another thing is they learned about the history of their religion, the creation of the world, and the history of the Jews from Adam and Eve to King Zedekiah. The things in Lehi's plates had more about the creation than what we have in the Old Testament today. It also contained the prophecies of the prof- of all the prophets, prophecies of Abraham and those we do not have, like Zinus and Zenoch and Nahum, but also those of Jeremiah. He was a contemporary of Lehi, who would have also prophesied of the destruction of Jerusalem as well as the fate of the Jews when they were taken into captivity. Lehi would have also discovered his genealogy and that he was a descendant of Joseph who was sold into Egypt. Imagine reading that beautiful story of Joseph being brought into Egypt and the famine and being able to save his father and his brothers. I remember the day I got my great-grandmother's old Bible, and I opened those pages that I used to read to her about Noah and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then to discover in her own handwriting the list of children she had and their birth dates and marriage dates. It was as if she jumped off the pages of the Bible to me. So I'm sure that... Um, Lehi felt the same way as he read these stories about his ancestors. The interesting thing about this is that we have scriptures that we can read on our devices or in our hands. We have access to them all the time. But Lehi and his family did not. Their access to the scriptures would have been in the synagogue on the Sabbath as they were read and explained to them. So here, Lehi gets to read them for himself for the first time. Mormon did not abridge the breastplates, nor is anything from them included in the Book of Mormon that we have, only references to Moses and Isaiah. So once Lehi read them for himself, he now begins to talk to his family about them. Let's go to verse 17. And now when my father saw all these things, he was filled with the Spirit and began to prophesy concerning his seed. The church website defines prophecy as this. The word prophecy or prophesy is to speak or write divinely inspired words received through revelation from the Holy Ghost. So, Lehi is now inspired and so filled with the Spirit that he receives revelation about his family and also about the importance of these plates. So, he gathers his family together and he tells them all about it. And here is what he said. This is verse 18. That these plates of brass should go forth unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people who were of his seed. Wherefore he said that these plates of brass should never perish, neither should they be dimmed any more by time. And he prophesied many things concerning his seed, and it came to pass that thus far I and my father had kept the commandments wherewith the Lord had commanded us. So now here's the importance of these plates and the scriptures to them and to us. This is in verse 21. And we had obtained the records which the Lord had commanded us, and searched them, and found that they were desirable. Yea, even of great worth unto us, insomuch that we could preserve the commandments of the Lord unto our children. Wherefore, it was wisdom in the Lord that we should carry them with us as we journeyed in the wilderness toward the land of promise. So Elder Bruce R. McConkie said, The value of the brass plates to the Nephites cannot be overestimated. By means of them, they were able to preserve the language, most of the civilization and the religious knowledge of the people from whence they came. By way of contrast, the Beulikites, who were led out of Jerusalem some 11 years after Lehi's departure, had, and who had no record equivalent to the breastplates, soon dwindled in apostasy and unbelief and lost their language, civilization, and religion. That was from Bruce O. McConkie in Mormon Doctrine. So, 1 Nephi 6 is, as we go on to there, is just a very short chapter that kind of takes a break in Nephi's history lesson. He stops to tell us why he's abridging his father's record, and he also now tells us how he and the other writers chose the material for the Book of Mormon. This is um, chapter 6, verse 1, and now I, Nephi, do not give the genealogy of my fathers in this part of my record, neither at any time shall I give it after... a It upon these plates, which I'm writing for it's given in the record, which has been kept by my father, wherefore I do not write it in this, in this work for it sufficeth me to say that we are descendants of Joseph and it mattereth not to me that I am particular to give a full account of all the things of my father, for they cannot be, written upon these plates, for I desire the room that I may write of the things of God. For the fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and be saved. Wherefore the things which are pleasing unto the world I do not write, but the things which are pleasing unto God and unto those who are not of this world Uh, Wherefore I shall give commandment unto my seed, that they shall not occupy these plates with things which are not of worth unto the children of men. So did you hear why he stops to tell you what he wants to put on those plates? He wants to write the things of God. He wants to persuade men to come to God. He wants to write the things that are pleasing to God. And he gives a commandment to his descendants that they should do those same things. These plates were important to Nephi, so he chose carefully the things he put in there. These scriptures should be equally important to us, and we should make scripture study a lifetime thing. He tells us that his father searched the scriptures. He He didn't just read them, and there is a difference. When I was teaching seminary, they told us there are three ways we sometimes get into the scriptures. Water skiing, snorkeling, or scuba diving. When we water ski, we skim across the water. We can sometimes do the same with scriptures. We skim through them. We read the required things we need to read, and when we're done, we don't remember a thing we read. When we snorkel, we get into the scriptures, but we just surface read. We don't think too much about what we're learning. When we scuba dive, we go deep into the scriptures. We ask questions. Why is this story important to me? What can I learn from it? And why did Nephi tell us this story? Elder D. Todd Christopherson said, "When I study, when I say study, I mean something more than reading. It's a good thing sometimes to read a book of scriptures within a set period of time, to get an overall sense of its message. But for conversion, you should care more about the amount of time you spend in the scriptures than amount than about the amount you read in that time. I see you sometimes reading a few verses, stopping to ponder them, carefully reading the verses again, and as you think about what they mean, praying for understanding, asking questions in your." mind waiting for spiritual impressions and writing down the impressions and insights that come so you can remember and learn more studying in this way you may not read a lot of chapters or verses in a half hour but you'll be giving place in your heart for the word of god and he will be speaking to you that was from his talk when thou art converted so here are a few ways to make your scripture study better I've always felt that marking my physical set of scriptures was important to me. We've been told that the more senses you use, the better. So we can mark them physically, we can read them, we can write down what we like about them, we can write in the margins, put cross-references in the margins, put the way you felt. You could write a question you might have. Physical scriptures are a good way to read and understand the scriptures as opposed to digital. When I homeschooled my kids, we used several methods to teach the alphabet, especially for those with ADD. Um, We sang the alphabet song, we wrote them on sandpaper, we cut them out, and we pointed, pointed out colors and letters as we drove. The more senses you use, the better. Use colored pencils. Maybe everything that the Savior says could be in red, so that you immediately recognize it as the Savior's words. For seminary students, all of your scripture master scriptures could be in different colors. When I taught seminary, we would make each scripture mastery a different color and write the scripture mastery key words in the margins. Ashley still says she can find the scripture on prayer because she remembers the color and the words. The other thing is take notes. Sometimes we read something and it's important and we want to remember it, but we close up the book and walk away. So take notes and put flags or post-it notes on the page. Don't read the scriptures like you would a novel. Pause and ask questions or think about what you've just read. Look for problems and what caused someone to do what they did and what was the solution. You could say, how is my story like? How is this story like my life? Ask yourself, am I Nephi or am I like Laman and Lemuel? Try to put yourself in the places of the people. I remember reading about Soraya and asking how I would feel if I thought something had happened to my kids. Then one day I was shopping and my son, who was four, decided to hide in the rack of clothes in the store. I turned and he was gone. He could see me, but I couldn't see him. It was an instant that he was there and then gone, and he watched as I frantically looked for him, and I felt a little bit like Soraya wondering if I had lost my son. What can you do then to improve your study of the Book of Mormon this year? Maybe you could choose one of those ways. So, until next time.